Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Max. Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to episode 21, no, season 21, episode 8 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Joey. And this is Tappy. We have an empty seat. There's someone who signed up. It's not, it's not here yet. I didn't fuck up. Is it me? <laughs> and one you. Uh, First time for everything. <laughs> we had a we had a convention. <laughs> oh, starting off beautifully. It's gonna be right out the podcast. gate. I yeah, love it. Okay, uh, game we on. Had, we had a convention last weekend. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Tappy showed up. Were you there just that one day? I did. I, I was there just that one day. Yeah. The next day, I. Uh, couldn't get back. I was uh, not feeling well. <laughs> I had I had had a lot to drink. There was a lot of yeah. And there's a sandwich that someone brought me for uh, during the podcast, and I totally forgot it there. Oh so, yeah. I I pretty much had nothing but whiskey and beer from like <coughs> 10 a.m. on. Right. Sounds like con yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you didn't go, did you? I didn't go. I had to. Uh, I'm saving money for an international trip this summer. Oh, excellent. So I had to. Uh, excellent. Had to make do. Uh, I ran my games. I ran the kids' game. Um, I, I learned never to try to force my kids to play a role-playing game ever again. <laughs> um, I might not invite them to play a role-playing game either. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Oh, man, it's so funny. It's like, Dad, can I just go play baseball? Do I have to play this role-playing game? <laughs> that, no, that's, not, that's definitely not Zachary. Uh, that's or, or Allie. That's what I like. Um, but uh, but it was a um, I, I did a scaled down version of Moment of Truth for Kids, and I, out, there's a few tweaks I need to make to it, having run it and ran a, a combat. Um, but it was it's fairly fairly close to a playable game. So now it's based on another game. I just took stuff away from it. So yeah, but stealing from yourself is just you know yeah. Uh, the other uh, the other game I ran was the Traveler game, and that was that 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 game was fun. We did character creation for like the first forty five minutes to an hour. How'd that they, go? Good. Um, one of the one of the players, as often will happen, makes a character, and you look at the character and you wonder why is anyone keeping you around because of the way the characters end oh, up. Oh, right. <clears throat> it's like I have no usable skills, and I and and I had them. Oh I did man, that. it's a story of my life. <laughs> 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 because I'm Jeremy? <laughs> Not according to your character sheet. <laughs> but uh, that thing that you had mentioned, uh, having the players after, when you're ready to start playing, roll a mishap to see, this is why you're no longer in the, you know, an admiral yeah. in the Navy or whatever. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I had, had them do that, and then we went on with the game. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Uh, I will. I will. I think I might do it again. The only thing I want to change, and I think I mentioned this last week, is I want to change the 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 flow chart they have for character creation. Is built kind of like a conch, <laughs> mm. and it re- and if I, I if I put it on like a eleven by seventeen piece of paper, it's like roll two d six six times, assign your stats. Pick, you know, and and mm-hmm. and just have it like an actual mm. flowchart. Oh, I think oh, it'll right. be easier for people to understand because you look at it and you're not really quite. Even though there's a circle that says start here, right, it's like right. buried in the middle. And it's like mm-hmm. so. It's the same one from the book, right? You just kind of—that's what I use. I just printed yeah, it out. Remember that, book. like looking at that graph. I'm like, I think this makes sense. If I yeah. go this way and make a left to Albuquerque and then right. go up that way, 
but and it, you're a tourist. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Did you play anything where you're? Uh, no, I hung out with my old gaming group. Oh, cool. Which was great. Like from back when I was in high school. Right. Mm. Like Jim and uh, and my friend Mike and all them and uh, my friend Cade. So. Yeah, they've, they've both been on the show a couple times. Yeah. <clears throat> had they did they ever talk about the uh, the BattleTech game? That yeah, we did. Uh, they no, they met. I think when they were there, they meant because you had talked about it on the show yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, that BattleTech game that was us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but the, yeah, they kind they're the ones that kind of convinced me to start buying a bunch of Team Yankee stuff. Mm-hmm. The little miniatures World War Three game. They're good at that. Convincing you to go out and... Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In this episode of Happy Shakes RPG Podcast, Ben from Texas writes up... Uh, writes in... No. Br- no. Ben from Texas brings up... Ah. The Sauron Dilemma. Woo! This is a... Man, we're doing good. <laughs> I know. Nailing it. <laughs> this is going to be a good one. Um, <laughs> Christopher, I think his handle is Mystic Fedora, says Stu is right. And so he is. Uh. So is he. <laughs> nope. You even said your own line wrong that you're right. right. You wrote it. <laughs> Joseph from the IE <clears throat> asked about scheduling and vetting players. Not, not like heavy vetting. Uh, ben from Texas. This is a Ben from Texas doubleheader. Uh-huh. And that's a, that's a rep... No, see, no, it's not that reference. That's a, it's it's a it's a reference. It's a baseball reference. It's not a porn reference. Oh, oh. Uh, and he writes in about customizing the game. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And we're on all the social medias. All of them ever. Mediums. We're on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook. Go to happyjacksrpg. All one word. And that's it. Boom. I thought a social medium was a um, someone who talked to ghosts who was really nice and everybody liked them. Oh, they only talk to ghosts that like talking to people, maybe? Right. And social oh, medium? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and extroverted you also, exorcist, if you will. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can also watch us live at Happy Jack's RPG slash live. <laughs> <laughs> and we do the show at 8 p.m. Pacific time on Friday nights. <sighs> That may change in the future. I'm not sure. Oh. We'll have to see. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, or it might not. But for now, happychecks.org slash live if you want to watch the show live, Pacific Time, 8 p.m. on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've said everything at least twice. <clears throat> Thrice spoke and done. <laughs> the Sauron Dilemma. Mm. And this mm-hmm. is from Ben in Texas. Let's see if I can read an email. <laughs> Greetings, almighty douches. I had a situation with my D&D game that I think might come up often for a lot of GMs. My players were playing cat and mouse with a vampire assassin who killed their NPC friend. I had plans for a necromancer character to be pulling the strings, and I successfully planted clues that there was another big bad behind the assassin. But I had a problem. I didn't want the PCs to meet the big bad for the first time in the final encounter. <clears throat> this is why I regret Kimmy's not here because someone is going to say something bad about Lord, uh, Legend of the of the Rings, uh, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, whatever. <laughs> I was going to say Legend of the. That's Fire. right. I got you, <laughs> Kimmy. I got this. I got you. Uh, I feel like the showdown with the big bad is a lot more meaningful if they have a personal connection to the PCs. This reminded me of one of my main gripes with the beloved story that inspired our hobby, Lord, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh god. Oh man. The characters in the story go on a huge epic journey ending in an all-out war to defeat evil and save their way of life. But they never actually meet Sauron or talk to him or anything. He ends up just being a big flaming b- eyeball on top of a tower that no one ever goes to. <laughs> I have so many feelings. <clears throat> so many. Is feelings. one of them is you have a point? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> is one of them you're not inaccurate uh, when I end, ended up doing what I, what I ended up doing was to find an NPC with a mysterious origin who knew just a little bit too much and decided that that was the big bad so when the party finds out who the big bad is they already have a history is that the right way of doing this sort of thing am I making a big deal over nothing or does the big bad of the campaign arc really need something special to keep the players and the GM engaged. Keep up the great work. Ben from Texas. P.S. It was a joy having Tappy back on. Woo! Yay! Uh, hope we get to hear from him again soon. And look! Surprise! Are. Bam! Bam count one. Mm-hmm. P.P.S. Take a drink. Yeah, he does. So. Mm. Can I get that church key again? Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So first, well, here, I can get it. You got one? You got one? Okay. I have the bear. Ah, ooh. I like it. It doesn't work very well. Is it the world famous talking bear? I could actually use it this way. Okay, she doesn't work well either. There it goes. (laughs) I had to use a corner of it rather than the actual bottle opener. Do you want to to try to defend um, uh, Lord of the Rings versus his criticism? I would need more than the time allotted. Um,. I'll just say that Sauron is the essence of evil in Lord of the Rings. It's it's you can't really face evil. His minions are kind of the the embodiment. It it's fine. Didn't they face him like in the prologue though? Yes, they did. But they faced him in the prologue. At that point, he's extended beyond that, and okay, so it's okay, it's fine. Um, I I was reading this email and I thought. Back, to, uh, I was playing a, a game of uh, Star Wars RPG, the Saga Edition, and we had something similar where we had a, a Sith Lord who was kind of pulling the strings of a bunch of other Sith Lords. Um, this is set years and years, 500 years ABY, so, you know, the Sith Empire was a big thing again. We were facing all these other Sith Lords and kind of taking them down, and we were encountering one who had kind of been the, a constant thorn in our sides, and we're like, we're going to confront him, it's going to be great. We finally confront him, and the Sith Lord... In pulling on the strings appears and decides you know what no you're done you fucked up enough uh, and basically force snaps his, th- uh, snaps his neck that'd be something you might want to do if in that situation where you have the big bad appear punish the person who's been a thorn in the side of the PCs to demonstrate their power and that kind of gives you that connection it gives you that this person who's kind of been your nemesis just got waylaid by someone much stronger than them and that kind of sets up their power and it adds the uh, PC's history or the NPC's history you've been dealing with to the history of your big bad. That was my first thought. Um, I th- I love the idea that the big bad is really good at spreadsheets. <laughs> I love that idea. Like like the big bad, the guy in charge doesn't have to be a really good fighter, you know. Oh sure. And so the person like if you take 
Star Wars, let's say, and you're just talking about that, mm-hmm. and you have the Emperor. They would have been fine if the Emperor wasn't a Force user. He was just really goddamn fucking evil and gave no fucks. Right. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to know all these things. He just he could have just had contingency plans, and then Vader turns on him and kills him, and that's the same thing. Right. But he doesn't have to be the world's best Force user. He doesn't have to be magic. Um, you know... If, if you have Sauron, who's the, the essence of evil, yeah, he is the one who's pulling all the strings. He's bringing it all together. He has the evil spreadsheets and the evil speed dial. Man, speed dial's not a thing anymore, is it? No, you're right there with phone trees, man. <laughs> nope. <laughs> all right, well, the evil, evil phone tree. Evil speed dial, and he's calling up the evil PTA. You yeah. know, and, uh, you know, making things happen. But he's not the one, like, once you... He's not the one, you don't have to defeat him physically in order to win. You know, I mean, he's like, using minions for a reason, right? You know, in in World War Two, you want to defeat like the captains and the generals and stuff. You know, Hitler's going to die in a ditch on petrol. You know, on fire on pet with uh, petrol. So like, he doesn't have to be that bad, right? Um, I like the idea of lieutenants mm-hmm. doing the actual fighting, um, and I think it's a great way to go about still having that sort of worry. That the PCs can have, you mm-hmm. know, like oh shit, what is going to happen next? Or there's still more to do, um, unless you're trying to have some some sort of finality, and then you can light them on fire. Right. Um, but I think it's great. Yeah, I, th- I, I my, my o- the only concern with doing this kind of thing is when you have those situations, and it really depends on what kind of game you're playing, where someone figures out prematurely, like you've left. Too solid of a clue, oh, God. and they just murder him. Yeah, because <laughs> it's happened. I mean, yep. yeah. I, I, I've often, um, I've often said that if you have a big bad that you're going to save for the big climactic scene, don't put him in the same place with the characters until you're ready for him to die. Yeah, <laughs> because, mm-hmm. but there, I mean, it, depending on what kind of game you're playing, there's lots of ways they can still interact and still have a personal connection without it being in the same room. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I do agree that having a personal connection with somebody you're murdering is really important. Yes. Because otherwise, it, who cares? Right. right. You've yeah. got to bring them to your apartment, play them Huey Lewis in the news, and then you yeah. chop them with the axe. Exactly. <laughs> um, and that actually kind of dovetails to a conversation we were having before of like, how do you make NPCs mean something to the players? We right. were talking about it in a different context. Uh, mm-hmm. But in this one, like, how do you make NPCs really important? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a really you know, salient thing to think about because a giant big bad out there in the ether, how does it have some sort of connection to the, the characters as opposed to the lieutenant of that big bad who murdered your wife? Right. Yeah. You know, that one is, holy fuck, Sure. You know, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then you don't introduce that person to the person who murdered their wife until you want that guy right. to die. Yeah. yeah Which, a, small tangent, this is why I love writing extensive backstories. So I want <laughs> to give the GM all of that fodder. Like, yes, use all of these things. Make me connected. Make me want to care about these NBCs. I'm going to give you this entire history of this mm-hmm. character. Pull something. Pull anything that I can draw from. Because I'm right there with you. I want to make the connection with the, right. with the GM. So, not to building back stories and, and making them full and making them mm-hmm. actual people instead of just stats on a paper. Well, and that's also what's great about disclaiming decision-making, too. It's like, oh, yeah, this guy, how'd you know him? It's like, he murdered my wife. And you're right, he did. You know, and and you can introduce somebody who's terrible and then say, how do you know this person? Do you know this person? Right, sure. 
Um, and the answer, hopefully, is yes, I know them because of this. But sometimes, like, I don't know who this person is, and it scares the fuck out of me. Right. Um, but that's another way to just do that on the fly and create those connections. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm, I'm good with that. Okay. Yeah. I'm good with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think. Well, well then. The the um, having. I've had a lot of big bads, or like medium-sized bads, that have been murdered because they met the party too soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Have you heard the story about the I, I'm no mere hedge mage? Have I told you that story? I don't think I have heard that story. I'm, we're playing fifth edition D and D. Uh huh. I've decided the party has gotten to the point where they can fight someone who can cast fireball. Mm-hmm. So I make like whatever it is a fifth level wizard or something. Yeah, something. Anyway, and I gave him that, and I kind of, and I didn't give him a whole character sheet. I just gave him some stuff, and he had kind of like this weird accent, and uh, he was involved with one of the conspiracies that the party was trying to uncover, and he had known that they were traveling from one place to another, so he set up an ambush, and he had, oh, I don't know, he had like five or six minions with him who were not going to be real hard for the party to just plow through, but I'm thinking maybe they'll slow him down. I also accidentally gave the party rhinos. Two of them were riding rhinos. That was bad. That, gotta that, that, that's, <laughs> you gotta hate accidental rhinos. That's that's something I kind of regret. <laughs> but so so the, the the party gets to this pass, and all of a sudden these guys you know leap down from the rocks to to block their way, and behind them is this mage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't I don't remember exactly how the conversation transpired, but they said something, and he said something, and then they said something, and he said, I am no mere hedge mage. And then we all rolled initiative. And I rolled like a two for the mage's initiative. <laughs> he was dead before he had a chance to act. Right. <laughs> and of course, that's what the story that they always keep bringing up because it was freaking hysterical <laughs> now had he gotten a chance to, to light off that one spell they would have been really freaking frightened because most of them would have dropped an enormous number of hit points like that because mm-hmm. fireball oh no especially right. 5 fireball that's not you don't must fuck around with that no so and that was <sighs> that was someone who was in the future he was just going to kind of beat him up and try to scare him and then leave he wasn't going to murder him mm-hmm. uh and I never got to use him again because yeah, he murdered him. He murdered him. <laughs> so I didn't have to make a different mage. I made his brother. No, <laughs> <laughs> That's the purview of the players to do that kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> man. His brother. So. Oh, God. All right. Uh, next email. Thank you very much, uh, Ben from Texas, and we're going we're gonna to hear from you again. <laughs> have you guys watched The Tick? I have. Uh, I saw the uh, the oh pilot, uh, the the test bids. episode for Amazon when they were like trying to get bids and stuff. Loved it. I haven't watched the full season. They put the they put the first half of the season out and then just released the second half of the season like yesterday, the, yesterday or the day before. I just, I finished it late last night. Oh my God, it was so funny. I'm, 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 I need to give it another shot because I love Patrick Warburton so much. <sighs> See, I on paper he makes sense, but it didn't execute well. I didn't like what oh, they did with his costume. Okay, and I didn't like how chintzy the effects were, like, oh, as if they weren't there weren't any at all. Well, yeah, right. It's just him marching back and forth across the screen <laughs> and know, people great. tumbling around. It's so. I, that's one of the things I love about it is it's very hokey in a lot of ways. It is. 
This one, they've got a little more of a budget, and there, there's actually some effects in it and stuff. Yeah. And the terror has it flies around the city in a giant T. It's a big giant T. It's a spaceship that's a, or a rocket that's a T. Do they have, oh, a, awesome. do they have yeah. Apocalypse Cow? I did not see Apocalypse Cow. 50 foot tall cow that no. shoots fire from her teats? No, no, but there was VLM, the very large man. Mm. Um, and uh, what's his overkill? Now, I don't know if. I don't recall. I've only read a few Tick comics, mm-hmm. um, but it seems that whenever they do a a version of the Tick, whether it's the animated or the, uh, the two live action ones, they don't use the villains from the or, or the other heroes from the comics. They right. come up with new ones instead of def- Deflator Mouse. They use, yeah, I've uh, never seen Deflator Mouse. Well, Batman well in yeah, the, Batman well right. Um, but this one they have uh, Overkill who. Mm-hmm. Uh, is you know like a psychotic, m- right. murdering asshole, mm-hmm. and he's a hero, right? So, um, yeah. and they have, I don't remember. There's a couple other ones. There's the Superion, who is the alien, and that's kind of what started the whole superhero thing. Like in the Tunguska event mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. in Russia, the giant explosion. That's right. That's where how he was created, I guess, or that's how he came to Earth. Mm-hmm. So, but I loved it. I thought it was hysterical. My favorite line is, shut your nonsense hole, you big blue yeti. <laughs> I loved it. That's, that's I'm going to pocket that. Good. I'm yeah. going to use that. Shut your nonsense hole. <laughs> All right. More on player agency from Christopher. Who would like to read? No, no. More on. Not more on player agency. More on. More, more, more on, on player agency. agency. <laughs> uh, I'll give it a shot. Why not? Hello, douche <laughs> Real quick, I've been listening to the podcast while washing dishes. Stuart is right. GMs have tools in their toolbox. (laughs) It does no good to tell the character what they feel when they can simply show them. Show, don't tell. The age-old trick writers have been have to learn to create compelling novels, like Dostoevsky, based on this accent. Apparently, (laughs) the queen enters. The hall is suddenly silent. All of the men and women lower their heads. Not even a bird can be heard outside the summer windows. And she enters the atrium. The sun radiates off her golden hair, and with each step her gown flutters outward with pristine elegance. The entire hall holds their breath until she stops and turns. She looks at you. There, that's it. Show the radiance and the beauty. Then the players will be compelled to feel it. Of course, writing prose is easier than improving a game, but whatever. Have you ever seen the Frisco Kid? I have not. Must be some kind of toddler or something. <laughs> you, sound like, you sound like Gene Wilder in the Frisco Kid. Go straight to San Francisco. I love that movie. Uh, it's really oh, it's, it's Gene Wilder and um, uh, fucking Han Solo. Yeah. That's his name. Oh, Harrison, uh, Ford. Harrison Ford. Ford. Shut up, really? A very yeah. y- young Harrison Ford. Yeah, a young Harrison Ford. I'll add it to my Steve Rogers list of movies and I need to watch. Uh, Gene Wilder plays a, a rabbi who's bringing the uh, Torah because yeah. the, yeah. uh, the rabbi... A uh, Hasidic rabbi. Yes. And, and his... Uh, <laughs> the, the rabbi of the area in San Francisco, of the Jewish community in San Francisco, had, had like just died or something, so yeah. he was going to replace him. Uh-huh. And he was bringing the Torah with him. Yeah. Oh, my God. And... Uh, and um, 
uh, what's his face? Harrison Ford. Ford is a like desperado type character. Yeah. All right. I'm adding and some it's, it's it's magic. I need it. In my it's life. like where they're trying to run away from the bad guys, and it's like I can't ride the horse. The sun hasn't set yet. He's <laughs> like, like oh, no, We're not yet, not yet. Because <laughs> oh he can't ride. They're on a train. It's like, oh, I have to get off the train now. Right. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Get, get the train. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's great! Oh man, sorry, I didn't mean to derail it. <laughs> no, it's all good. But we had to get off the train. Yes. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we don't need to rehash the the entire player agency thing again. But right. I happened to m- mention that I'm right, so I decided right. we should ha- we should. No, it, it, it brings up a good point. I mean, as, as as an actor, you you get certain things given to you. Uh, Stork says a lot. You know, the 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 actor gets stuff in the script. They learn the script. They it's all in the script. You you have to take that information given to you and, and use it. This is clear. Like yes, and like okay, you have all this information. If the DM says you're awestruck, you're awestruck. There's a reason for it. What your character does after being awestruck is up to you. I mean, depending if you're a barbarian who doesn't know the you know ways of court, or if you're a bard who knows the reverence to give such a queen. Like that's that's up to you. But you have to take a moment and and accept the information given, and then analyze it as your character, and then act on it. You know, one of the things too is like writing prose is easier than improving in a game. Well, you get better at stuff by doing it. Mm, yeah. And if you suck, well, then you can say, "Oh, and people aren't acting reverent." Where it's like, "Okay, well, roll your etiquette skill or fucking whatever." But yeah. you know, try and try and do shit like that. Uh, yeah, that's. A, I mean, th- this, it's always better to say to, to set the scene in such a way that the players come to the conclusion you're trying to draw, rather than you expressly giving them that conclusion. Right. Because right. then it's theirs, mm-hmm. and it, it, I think you're just going to end up getting a more genuine reaction from the players normally. Unless they just don't give a fuck, and there are players who just right. Don't give a fuck, but yeah, but then you know, hopefully you know that about your players at the beginning, and so you're not surprised right. by it. Speaking of which, thank you, Christopher, for the email. Really, <laughs> <laughs> uh, two for two, man. We are so, so good. I got the name right. <laughs> no, no, the name was right. We're just failing it. <laughs> We're just failing <laughs> everything. Scheduling and vetting players. Oh, gotcha. Joseph, from the I to the E. Why the fuck would you give me scheduling? <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about something I'm bad at. <laughs> and IE, in this case, in the, does not mean... Inland Empire? It, no, it does mean Inland yeah. Empire. Oh, okay. It doesn't mean, because isn't IE... In example. No, no, no. Uh, in oh. exemplar, yeah. or whatever it is. But I think, I, isn't IE some sort of uh, abbreviation for Ireland at certain t- in certain things? Like in... Uh, like airports or something? Or I, I, should, I thought those were three letters. I should know that. Well, no, 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 it's IRE in the airport. I know that. I saw my on my ticket. But And also in the Olympics. It's IRE. I know that yes. bit. Right. The Olympics, their coverage sucks. Oh, yeah. It's only good when you're in the gym. That's that's when that's when I get to watch the Yep, the pretty much. Yes. Which means I haven't seen any curling oh, this season because I'm not at the gym at 2 a.m. Yeah. I was trying to watch it. And I'm like, oh, I was watching like the ice dancing or something like that because I had my kids and the kids are watching it with me and and they've never, of course, hadn't seen a Winter Olympics before because I didn't really watch Sochi. And we're watching this and and then we're like, oh, the, the, you know, this couple won and they're like, oh, really excited and they're going to win the gold medal. I can't wait to see their gold medal. 
and now we move on to people doing backflips oh, on, on skis yeah. on ski boards. <sighs> yeah, and that's so frustrating. Like that's, like, that's oh, the reason I watched the Olympics is for the medal finish? ceremony. Also, right. can I just finish this one before I go on to something else? Oh right no! Now. Like I can it's miss already, the preliminary. Well, it's of already the next pre-recorded thing. like twelve hours before because right. they're they're not doing it at two a.m. in South no. Korea. No. So it's already just. Can I Show finish this one? Thing. Yeah. You've got four channels. You're showing it on. Show more yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. God, that, that pisses me off. The other thing, the Olympics should belong to the world. They should not belong to the Olympic fucking organizing committee. So if someone decides to put up YouTube videos of Olympic events, oh, they shouldn't take those down. They shouldn't take them down yeah. fucking immediately, which they do almost all the fucking time. Right. Well, everybody does that now. It's well, and that's. I mean, the Olympics are supposed to be. An amateur event in general. It's not anymore. Professionals can participate, yes. but it isn't owned by NBC, mm-hmm. who has like the discrete rights to show it in, in the, the United States. States. Yes, right. that's that's total bullshit. It's all the inner. It, it's it's the Olympic organizing committee, and they're using it to line their pockets. I think they're. And the other thing that I thought, <laughs> the doping thing. <laughs> the thing that I noticed because I wa- I was I watched I, I read a couple articles. And I was watching some commentary, and people were saying, like, this is the Olympics where no one is really that good. Because there's a lot of... One country gets caught for doping, so they're not allowed to have their flag there anymore. Suddenly, the bar of, like, ability just kind of slightly drops. Huh. Well, that would explain (laughs) the reemergence of the Jake and and Bosley team. Okay, first of all, they've been doing that for a while and really good sprinters. But second of all, there's also like, I mean, Sochi was a big fuck up in general yeah. because. Oh, the hotels with no well, dog no, on. Also, like the courses and stuff, too. Right. right. Well, like they're that. having the same problem. Um, in some but of there the stuff are here. some, I mean, there are some uh, records still being broken yes. in this one. Yeah. And one of the things that we've really learned in kinesiology is how to make people better than they would be doping in the 1980s. Okay, that right. Makes, right. That's why we're still breaking records because otherwise, right. when everybody was doing steroids in the 1980s, those would be their records forever. Um, but uh, I don't know. The um, it's it's more interesting in a lot of ways to me because there isn't just one group being dominant. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I really like that. Like there is this uh, downhill uh, skier who's actually a snowboarder who's from the Czech Republic. I uh-huh. think. Right. Um, who, who, won, who won downhill? Oh, no shit. And she's like, she was looking at the board going like, well, they're going to add some seconds to it or something. They're not. <laughs> I didn't even come here for this. I came here to snowboard, and I'm just a pretty good skier, too. Right. I just got a gold medal on the downhill. Well, maybe and it's, better than you thought you were. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's cool. That's yeah. interesting. You're not having one person being two seconds in, in front of everybody else. Who was the person you expect to be two seconds in front of everybody else? Right. So I don't know. I'm really digging it. I just wish coverage was better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I watched some of the. I saw some of the. Um, God, what was it? It was some. It was a, some ski thing where they're like doing jumps. Oh, and side by side the ski cross. 
No, it was there was three or four people at once. Yeah, that's ski cross. Okay, that's yeah, like motocross, but no, on skis. skis. And, and they're like coming up, and there's three of them that come up, and the third, fourth person comes up a freaking upside down. It's Oy. like, ah! welcome to ski cross. Like <laughs> they'll shit. run into each other because they have to do the same course. It's designed for them to. They went, hey, NASCAR's got this thing where like people like it when they crash into each other. Maybe we can get more people interested. It's very X Games things, and and. Winter X Games has kind of eaten the Olympics a little, uh-huh. and I'm kind of bummed about it, especially because that's what gets shown in the United States. Right. right. Well, and so we should have a skiing role-playing game <laughs> and get back to okay. scheduling, scheduling players. Scheduling new players. We'll start so writing a PBTA hack Man, for we, skiing. We are so on it, this podcast. <laughs> We're on it. Hi, all. <laughs> I'm an ER nurse, and I run an ongoing game for friends, and mostly co-workers and their spouses. Oh, man, that'd be really difficult to do a lot of combat in. Yes. Because, mm. whew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two kinds of trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Just run 2E, where you have, you know, location gonna, damage, and... <laughs> I think we need to house rule the damage rules. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this is not how this happens. Because last week... <laughs> like, um, I had a guy come in with a sword through his head. <laughs> And we patched him up. It's great. Um, We don't have regular schedules. No shit. Uh, We put in our preferred schedule, and we get whatever the supervisors hand us. They really do try, but they have to get the shifts covered. Sure. This means that most of my players and... uh, This means most of my players, and I can't count on every other Thursday type routine. Uh, The fact that I have day, night, and mid shift players and a couple non-ER 9-to-5ers makes scheduling less than ideal. I also have way more interested parties than I could reasonably run in my available free time. My solution has been the Doodle app and website and let everyone know every day I'm free to play for a given time period, usually six weeks, our schedule rotation. Then everyone gets to vote on the available days from that list. When I get quorum, three players for me, we play. Clara was actually in my game until she decided it was far. It was too far away. I'm assuming that's Clara from the Merry Wives of Windsor. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, she might be able to tell you how she liked it. She said it sucked. No, she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Shade, man. I'm getting guys. I'm, I'm getting hives just reading this. I'm telling you. I'm sure. I'm sure you spot a problem. What if I don't get the same players from session to session? I don't. I run an open table. See www.thealexandrian.net for more info. A, a fabulous uh, uh, RPG blog, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I think you should have to look at it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Is it? Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Well, apparently we would like him. Oh, well, that's yeah. good to know. Yeah. Uh, basically, I run close-ended adventures in a continuous world, like a TV show with a rotating ensemble cast. Game time matches world time. If it's been a month since you played, it's been a month in-game. The things that happened in the last game affect the story in this game, whether you were there or not. Mm-hmm. This makes the world breathe, and it's super easy to try out new players. Once I've met them and decided I'm okay with them in my home, I can run with them. If they don't fit, I let them know and stop inviting them to the doodle scheduler. My player bullpen is now 16 strong. Jesus. Some of them married couples, and they keep coming out of the woodwork. Some are more regular than others, but everyone knows they'll have a good time when they come. I think this is a great way to run games and highly recommend it. Highly is um, in capitals. Yeah. Highly! Highly recommend it. Life still happens, but this way the game does too. 
you and your listeners want to try it, I recommend a very clear set of table rules to establish things like, you trust them because you know these two. Tell me how. I'm not here your character, so be adventurous. And we get who shows up, so don't worry about party balance. I'll make it work. Uh, also check out the Alexandrian website for a complete description. Not affiliated, just a fan. Wow, this got long. Oh, not that long. That's not no, yeah, that's long at all. You're doing a okay there. Thanks for all you do. Drink if you're so inclined. I will. Yehida. Oh, I have another one. Ah. Cheers. Yosef in the Inland Empire. Yoman Colubris from On the Forums. I ran a um, traveler game. Uh, it was called uh, Ashes of Exodus. And I think we only did like two or three sessions. We didn't do very many of them. But we did it. I had a pool. I had a lot of players with busy schedules. And I had a pool of seven or eight players. And I said, as long as we have four, we'll go ahead and run the game. So you ran Star Trek? Kind of. Kind of. Basically, yeah. yeah. The, and, and the players were all members of a crew on a ship that uh, was owned by an NGO that basically likes to go out and meddle in you know, interstellar politics. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And, and it worked out really well until Rob showed up Hosier Rob mm. and convinces the party we need to take the ship three parsecs or farther than that actually like four or five parsecs away abandon the ship <laughs> and then <laughs> pay pay a transport to have us go back to where we came from but we're not going to go all, all go on the same transport. We're going to go on different transports because in case some of us get followed, we don't want to all get killed because we have to get our information back. So I had so when the, by the time the session ended, they had their ship, where presumably the rest of the crew who was, <laughs> happened to be there was there, uh, orbiting around a gas giant, <laughs> three star systems away from where they started, abandoned. Oh god! And I had players strung out over like two or three other star systems on different transports. And I'm like, okay, now, now how am I going to get the keep when the, when I get how do I get the party back together? What I would have had to do is fast forward and say, okay, you all eventually get back, you go get your ship and you come back da, 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 and just or you can be like next time they're there it's like, okay, let's make your new character. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, cuz your character is on the this is this is the game we about follow the ship. the ship. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, the ship is you, you is, left. Like. Yeah. This is like you know in in Firefly, the ninth character is the ship. So that's what oh, we're yeah. going to follow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's that. Yeah. So I, and, and I do think that's a good way to run a game if you know you're not going to get the same players every time. Mm-hmm. We've been ta- we've been talking about on the um, on our the host Slack because we had I mean all Concred hit a lot of people so a lot of games got. Uh, yeah. Canceled. Oh, I mean, basically, this whole week was canceled. Uh, full of actual plays got canceled. Mm-hmm. Monday night, of course, because the con was still going on. Wednesday night got canceled. Yep. Tomorrow or Sunday, I can't do it because my son's graduating from Cub Scouts to Boy Scouts. So um, there's just like this whole week is just. That's when he shot. loses a finger, right? Yes. <laughs> no, he gains a finger. He grows a finger. Oh, <laughs> he grows, grows a finger. <laughs> he goes from two to three. Uh, okay. uh. But um, when we've been talking about ways that we can. Have pickup games, or one of the things people were talking about was one shots. But it would be kind of nice to have some kind of game that it's episodic. And I was actually thinking, even like having a set group of characters 
but they're up for grabs for whoever shows up. Oh, that'd be interesting. So you can have, and and maybe more than one GM who's going to run the game. You may have to use a pretty loose and fast system to run it, but not necessarily. But you could do it in anything, and then and you just know these are the four communal characters. So when you guys show up, you'll be playing one of these people and make them, you know, real broad contrasted well, yeah. characters, so that you know they're yeah. archetypes. It's kind of like a storytelling improv game. We're like, okay, now you're in control of the narrative, but it's each different character, That's right? Interesting. And, and 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 yeah, and and the things that happen to the character and when stuff that happens to their stuff, the next player gets it. Was, Oh, this God. guy had a laser rifle and now he doesn't. What happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we watch the last actual play. <laughs> Funny story of that. Yeah. That's the only problem. The, con- the, the continuity, the, the continuity problem. Because I think one of the things he talks about is there is sort of an overall arc to it. Right. Um, if you have, if he's got sixteen players and he only needs three to play, there's a high likelihood you're the next group of players weren't in the last game. Right. Mm-hmm. And if he's not recording it, which he probably isn't. They have no idea what happened in the last game. So your your overarching story that's going to happen over the course of several sessions, they may miss it entirely. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to come up with some method of keeping them. You know, the GM you may not even be able to re- rely on the one player being the same. Right. Right. You say, well, you want to recap what happened last time? And, well, I was mm-hmm. no one was there. Right. <clears throat> so uh, the GM will have to pro- probably has to do that. So the. Um um, I already, I think, said my idea for this sort of thing before. You mentioned it in the Shadowrun game. Yeah, which is my Shadowrun game that I really want to run. Which is, every single time you have a, uh, a game, it is a discrete run. Right. And you have new players for it, you have your fixer who's putting all the characters together, or you have your, you're going to play the fixer yourself, and just put together a Shadowrun group. And then they uh, do the run, you know, they have to do all of their... Um, uh, like legwork for the actual run, figure out where all the things are, do all their matrix runs. If they don't actually have a um, uh, a decker, then they have to find one or hire one or figure that shit out so they can actually do the run. And then the run happens. If they don't get to the end, uh, if they don't finish the run by the time the game's over, run is scrapped and they go home. And nobody, yeah. you know, you don't finish this run. And then you go on to your next one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that sort of game would be great. Yeah. My uh, oh, that'd be a lot of fun. I also like the idea of doing all the prep away from the table. Yeah, yeah, that's nice too. <coughs> my my home game, we're a bunch of actors, and actor schedules you never know. Like you get cast at a show, all of a sudden your rehearsals, you can't meet you know week to week. Uh, when I was reading, this actually reminded me a lot of our our scheduling conflicts. One of the games that we run is uh, a game where we're all basically settlers going to a new world, and we establish this town. And there's like about eight or ten of us, and so. We'll put up on the our Facebook group or instant messenger like, "Hey, we're gonna run this game on this day. Who's available?" We get like four or five people, and like, great. The DM kind of like runs a one shot, but it's continuing characters. Uh, and if you can't be there, then your characters doing something else that day. You are attending something in town. You are you are running your business in the town. You can't go off and fight these monsters somewhere, and then they come back and you. If you join the next time, you're like, "Okay, well, this is what happened last time." You know, the GM kind of does the recap, and it's all fine there. <coughs> Um, another thing we're doing, because we can't help but run games, even though none of us are ever available, um, is we're doing a Star Wars game in FFG, mm-hmm. and uh, we've kind of split our group of main, like our main group's making a main six, we split it into two groups of three. So we have an Empire side, and we have a Rillian side. And our efforts are constantly con- uh, causing issues for the other group, so we're running in the same universe, but you only have to worry about getting <coughs> three people together now instead of six. And so it's the same universe. You're not really much more prep because you're prepping for the same thing. But 
if the rebels meet on Monday and the Empire meets on Wednesday, like, okay, well, then the rebels do this thing, and now the Empire has to deal with these things the rebels did on Monday in their game on Wednesday. So that could be a thing, too. Like, dividing it up between your players and having, running kind of two different games, but in the same world, but having them affect each other. only pitfall I see in that is the, is the passing of time. How do you handle the passing of time? Well, they run it, luckily, so far, we've been able to meet more or less in the same week. Like if our, I'm in the rebellion group, so the rebellion group meets on Monday. No, no, not 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 real world time, but <clears throat> time passing during the in the game world. Well, that's what I mean. So if we're we're kind of meeting in the same week, so no no group is getting too far ahead of the other. But what if one group wants to wait six months? Then then that's a problem. We haven't crossed that bridge yet. Um, you should do that next time. <laughs> We'll see, we'll see what happens. See if they figure that out. <laughs> right. For whatever reason. It's like, okay, so now we're going to wait six months, and then I'm going to do this thing. Right. Luckily, I'm not damning that game, so it's not my problem. We're going <laughs> to overhaul the ship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it myself. No help. Right. It's going to take fine. me six months. It's fine. <laughs> or, I mean, the other thing is, is travel. I mean, because travel in Star Wars is highly unpredictable. I mean, right. we don't really know how long it takes to get from planet to planet yeah. by watching... Yeah, the movies. They, yeah, they is it a day? Is it an hour? Right, right, right. And and that's kind of what happens. But I mean, I, in the game I ran, I had the players go from one part of the galaxy all the way to another part of the galaxy, and you know that ain't, that ain't happening in days. Right, right. There's that's months probably. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. I, don't, right. I mean, who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe hyperspace lanes work go super fast. I don't know, like turtles. Yeah, because light the, speed is right. not not that fast when you're talking about you know. Intergalactic travel, right? And a lot is going to be going on in the rest of the galaxy mm-hmm. during that time that they're traveling for four. Right. And so that that's one thing I would wonder mm-hmm. about. But if you just say, "Okay, you have arrived," and you may not even keep track of, I mean, the GMs may not even be keeping track of how much time right. is passing, mm-hmm. which is fine. Well, I mean, luckily we're we're both in the same system. We're in the Corellian system. We're trying to influence. Basically, we're trying to get. It's basically right between episodes three and four. We're trying to get the Krillin system to pick a side. They're kind of, you know, being ruled over by the Moth, but the Moth, again, is kind of there as a placeholder because Krillin's not really going to be ruled by anybody. Right. Um, so the Rebels are trying to get them to join the Rebellion. The Imperials are trying to maintain Imperial control. So it's... We're not really traveling far outside of the Krillin system if we are traveling. So that's one way they're circumventing that is... We're kind of based in Corellia. That helps a lot. Mm. That's that's <coughs> one reason I really like Traveler. Of many reasons I like Traveler is you know how long travel takes. Right. <laughs> the heavy metal does. The key to a successful campaign is accurate record keeping. <laughs> so yes. it's fake the Gygax. <laughs> you yes, cannot he, have a meaningful. Again, this sort of thing gives me hives. <laughs> oh no! Yes. I have Woo. different themed books for my different. I need. Games. I need another drink. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I love I love record keeping. I love taking notes and I love having books themed for my different games. I have a pirate book for Spaniard's Ghost. I have a Hogwarts book for my Harry Potter RPG that we're writing. I have a book I just bought for a Bedlam Hall game I'm gonna run. Like I have different like little books, journal books for taking notes for I, each game. I'm sorry, you just started speaking a language that I don't understand. Oh I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also the Hermione in my group, so it's it's just ingrained in me. Fair I, enough. Th- you are you are somebody that is that is very important for every game. I keep I my record keeping for campaigns <clears throat> when I'm running them is at the end of this after the session is over I spend five minutes and I write down here's how many days passed 
in case that ever matters. Because sometimes it matters. I mean, when I ran the vampire game, there was a player that had lunacy or whatever it is. So they go kind of go nutty, or they can, um, what do you call it when they... Frenzy. Oh, yeah. They can frenzy mm-hmm. easier during full moons and stuff. So I had to actually start to keep track of every 28 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but normally what I do is just, I just make tick marks for every date or every night that passes in the game. And then I just write out a quick thing and, like, here's the things that passes and here's the date that the next game is going to start, mm-hmm. etc. So yeah. it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as scheduling goes, I use Doodle. I had a hard time getting people to use it. People just weren't used to it. But you're in a situation where you're going to have to do something like that. And I think Doodle actually, it, it will work in such a way where everyone can put their work schedule in. And I think it'll tell you, here's the times when you're all... See, that's helpful because I, for our Harry Potter game, I'm kind of the person's default scheduler. Wait, are you the Hermione in your Harry Potter game? That's more or less. My character actually is kind of the Hermione <laughs> of our group because uh, I can't help myself. Um... And I've tried, like, hey, guys, send me your schedules, your work schedule, just so I can figure out, okay, here's a blank space where all of us are free. Can we? Do we want to play then? And surprisingly, they don't want to send me that information. Hmm. Um, I don't know why, but <laughs> it's like gamers are flaky or something, or like having free time. Maybe maybe it's actors. <laughs> well, that too. It, yeah. That too. It could be. Um, could be. Just putting that out there. It's it's funny too. The they mentioned vetting in the the email, or at least the title of the email, and it, I was kind of reading it and remind remembering I was uh, joining a game, and they actually made me take a quiz on the rules of three point five before I got to join their game. Woo! I would I would be like, well, it's nice to meet you guys. Right? And no, no, no. Walk out that door. No, I I I was doing a show with somebody, and her hu- she mentioned her husband played games, and I was like, okay, cool, and. Um, my, my best friend wanted to join their game. He actually knew some people in the game. He's like, okay, well, we'll take you know take a look, test it out, and we went and they had it as a test, like a quiz. Like this is something they had already like pre made. Oh yeah. Nope. Oh yeah. It's been swell, but phones. It was down. it was three point five, three point five. In the world where five E already existed, they were still playing three point five. And to be so fair, not even Pathfinder. But no, 3. no, no, three point five. But to be fair, they've been playing the game for like five years. Like, I get you want to kind of get an idea, and you don't want to have to sit with someone who doesn't know the rules. Okay, that's fine. And the quiz was pretty easy. <coughs> it was like, you know, basic 3.5 rules. And then it got to like, how does this poison work? I don't fucking know. And then it got, one of the questions was, uh, to the best of your ability, explain the grapple rules. And I said, I will never grapple in this game. <laughs> I promise I will never grapple. I promise. Like, there's no way. I'm not I'm not going to grapple, because 3.5 grapple rules make no sense whatsoever. I've played 3.5 forever, until 5e came along. Thank you, 5e. Um, and I still can't explain the grapple rules to you. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Do you say, well, how oiled is the other person? <laughs> because that changes how you're going to grapple somebody. Uh, I saw the other guys in the group. I wasn't that interested. Um... <laughs> But, it's always the problem. But with vetting, vetting is vetting is a thing. Um, I don't recommend quizzes. The game actually ended up imploding, and I was very happy to watch it implode. Uh, oh, they, did they let you in? Oh, they let me in. How did they let you in if you failed all the quizzes? Oh, no, I didn't fail the quiz. I did very well on the quiz. <laughs> oh, it just was the, ridiculous. Just the one is stupid. Just the yeah. idea of a quiz. How did you? Do, but you just said that. But several of the questions. They enjoyed my answers. They they thought it was. Oh, so maybe maybe the test is not to see how well you know the rules. But to see if you can recognize a ridiculous fucking thing. Uh, <laughs> you think. think, and then I met the players and played with them. And I'm like, oh no, wait, no, 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 no. 
Um, and then you met Grappler Tony. Base Grappler <laughs> Tony. <laughs> Oh, it was a nightmare. The game was a nightmare. I have, I have never experienced railroading like this in my life. It was, it was ugly. It was real ugly. Um, and my favorite moment ever was watching the game implode over Facebook Messenger. Over one small thing that... I was it a rules argument? No, no, no. Because oh. um, <laughs> oh, that would have been glorious. So, long story short, I was, I was playing an, an elf warblade um, mm-hmm. who was trying to get the, the elves of the city to join our cause. And I go in, and I've kind of built my... Again, I like writing extensive backstories and see the DM. I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to pull from this. Like, cool. Awesome. I love it. I found out I'm going to my hometown. Like, great. I'm going to write a letter. In case something happens to me on the way to this this city, I'm going to write a letter, you know, roll a diplomacy check, to kind of like, here's what we want. Here's what we're doing. So you know we're coming. Like, we're ready to go. <coughs> I roll the dice on the diplomacy check. I roll a nat 20. I had a 15 diplomacy. It was a 35 diplomacy check on this letter. So I'm like, cool. We're golden. We're going to get there. It's going to be great. We get to the edge of the forest, and the message we find, uh, we encounter like a small battle or whatever. We fight some mooks. We find a body, and the body was the courier carrying my letter. Well, shit. So I'm like, thanks. I am now holding Asshole. a 35 diplomacy huh. check in my hand. Oh, that's shitty. Right. So I, I go. No. no, no, no. I go, and I'm like, cool. We get to the gates. So like, great. Give this to the king, because <laughs> fuck if I'm gonna lose a 35 diplomacy check. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you give me a physical diplomacy check. I've rolled it. <laughs> You're gonna read it. <laughs> um, and he does, and it's fine. But basically, he. He decided how he wanted this to go. He wanted me to basically betray the party in favor of my family. And so he was like wheedling and wheedling and wheedling and like, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And finally it's like, okay, maybe maybe the GM's trying to direct me in a direction that's going to be really cool for the story, really cool for my character. Like, all right, like you're really, really pushing this. So I'll yes and this. Like, okay, yeah. fine. Like, I will, I will, I will follow this, this breadcrumb trail. Oh, oh before this... Um, he made me give a speech. My character had to give a speech to kind of voice our argument. And I found out from one of the players in the game, like, he loves, you know, if you pull stuff from actual history, that's great. So I do, like, research, like, research on, like, history and, and speeches and pull stuff. And I write this, like, within two hours writing the speech, and I give the speech in the game. King shows no emotion. I have no idea if it actually worked or not. So then I, I decided to betray the party. Did what? Anyway. Um... All this happens, and basically, it de- I determine at this point, my actions mean nothing. My right. actions mean nothing in oh, this yeah. game. Oh, yeah, yeah, So we kind of talk about it. That's on kind of a good definition of railroading. No, no, no. Yeah. But like, it was like <laughs> legit, like, you n- literally nothing matters. So I kind of voiced this to someone, my friend who kind of got me into the group, and was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll bring it up as kind of a group thing. Like, I want to mention name names or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then on, literally, I'm at work, like... And my phone is just bing, going bing, crazy. Bing. Like, what is going on? <laughs> so I go on my lunch. Bing. I'm like reading through this message. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> the game is literally imploding. Like, I wanted to get popcorn and oh. just read it. So this is something that everybody has seen, but nobody has said. Exactly. Uh, and like, oh my god, this that's is great. Fun. But then you have half the players defending the GM, and half of them like, oh yeah, that was kind of shitty, and maybe you should like. It was just. And at this point, like, I was done with the game. Like, I'm like. I don't want to go to the game anymore. Yeah. I'm making excuses not to go to the game. Right. Like, well, because it's the same as you going to the game. Right. Basically. <laughs> so, <coughs> so I'm just, why do it? It was just like it was like watching the sun explode. Like I, it was it was beautiful and catastrophic, <sighs> and lovely. 
Um, <laughs> it was real pretty mm-hmm. and very, very like you know, eating just desserts and karma. It was watching karma happen. Mm-hmm. It was lovely. As far as I know, they're still playing the game. Kudos to them. <laughs> well, or they could not be. It's still the same game. Right. Who knows? <laughs> and that's what we determined. It was basically the GM wanted to write a book and oh, wanted... Sure. There's a lot of those. And wanted the PCs to give him reactions to what he was writing. Mm-hmm. Was basically what it boiled down to. And it was like, I'm not into that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not feeling that anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap out. You know what? G- GMs who want to write a book, and we always tell them, you know, just go and write your novel. Why don't you write a book about role-playing? Mm. R- write a setting book. Yeah. yeah. It was a very interesting <laughs> setting. It was a really, really yeah. cool... Like, Absolutely. Write a setting book. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, my friend who got me into the game, like I went to his house like a week before I joined the game, and he gave me like a two-hour recap on this five-year campaign they've been running. I'm like, that's really freaking cool. Like, this is a really cool story. I'm like, I want to get involved. And then I was like, oh, wait. No, I don't. <laughs> this, is a, this is legit a story. Like, I'm, I'm, it's story time. Like, mm-hmm. once upon a time... Riding the nope train to fuck that bill. Yep, basically. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, Joseph, from the Inland Empire. We appreciate uh, your email. Do we have anything else to say about that? I think, didn't we just did we? get distracted immediately? immediately? Well, oh, no, we did. So. We did meet it. We did. We did scheduling. Okay. Sorry, I totally forgot what the uh, the, the, the quiz thing was the, about. His yeah, quiz. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think we're good. Okay, I good. Think we're good. Let's go on to the next. Customizing the game from Ben from Texas. Attend me, ye deleterious douchebags. <laughs> Some time ago, I apologized to Canada. <laughs> I read the Canadian uh, iTunes reviews, and I apologize for burping. I'm very sorry, Canada. <laughs> The rest of the world, fuck you. <laughs> Canada, I'm sorry I burped. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. They uh, do not like belches in Canada. They're very polite there. Yeah, so it's good to be polite back. It's only polite. To be polite back. Yeah. But what if you, it's what if it just slips out? Right. Oh, you know what's great about Canada? Because I was just in Canada like a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Is Cold that as fuck? No, it wasn't. It was awesome because this on. Um, well, the summer there's lovely. Well, this is in Victoria. No, okay. I was there in, in fucking uh, January. But <coughs> Victoria on um, oh, co- uh, Vancouver on Island. Oh yeah, is coasts are always a little more beautiful. Um, but they have sausage rolls in like every single coffee shop. <sighs> I mean, like know? a like a like, like a toad in the hole. Like, like a toad in the hole. Oh, I love that shit. At, at every coffee shop I was at, they had like fresh. Homemade sausage rolls. That is it my breakfast really? every morning at fair. God it is a perfect like base for right before I can drink the a morning beer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or yeah. the sausage rolls in the cart like right there by the reef. That'll. Oh oh yeah yeah yeah. Like one, little, usually, like one of those and like morning beer and I'm good to go. Right. Oh man, it's so great. Morning, I had, I, had meat, morning, I like right a morning off water. Of, you mean that's what I mean? Morning water. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course. Right, right off of the plane, there's a place that had awesome meat pies, and then it was fucking sausage rolls for a week. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah. When I went, when I was uh, in a Boy Scout, we went to the World Jamboree in Alberta, Canada, mm-hmm. and it happened in like August. It was the most gorgeous August ever, <laughs> because Alberta is like dead, dead right in the middle of of the continent, mm-hmm. and, and it's cold as fuck. Except in except, except in, the in August, yeah. it was like spring anywhere else. It mm-hmm. was beautiful. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, God, this is awesome. I'd love to live here, not realizing that just three months later, you're going to be 
under 12, 15, 12 or 15 feet of snow. Oh, man, no. Vancouver Island is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, everywhere there's fucking awesome. Anyway. Some time ago, <laughs> I wrote in with a dilemma. Uh... You had a new player. I, I, I had a new player from my D and D five E game. They're talking about my burp in the. In the <laughs> uh, who wanted to use the alter self spell to transform her sorceress <clears throat> into a powerful monster? Mm. Unfortunately, that spell just made you look like a powerful monster. The par- mm. poly- polymorph spell that would actually do that thing is a much higher level, and she didn't have access to that. Now, as I recall, this is like someone who's like brand new to role playing. Mm-hmm. So this is right. like this is their first role playing session. So you don't want to say well, actually, a lot to someone. <laughs> that's a real great way to turn yeah. someone off from that. Yeah, but mm, but also mm. it's a balance. It's a it's, it's a, a level one spell versus like a level five spell. Sure, sure. You guys are gonna hate my answer to this. Go ahead. Uh, in the in the game, I was lucky enough <clears throat> that the baddie. Attacking the party was down to almost no hit points, and the player actually succeeded at killing it with her bare claws. Uh, I even let her narrate the kill, and she was stoked about it. I dodged a bullet there, but what if she tries it again? I decided to plant a magic item for her in the next du- next dungeon that would basically do the thing that she was trying to do. Upgrade her spell to transform into a dangerous creature with actual creatures' dangerous abilities. Unfortunately, the party ended up giving it to a different PC who just wanted access to the regular Alter Self spell. I couldn't even really try to get him to give the item to the sorceress because he was making clever use of the spell to solve puzzles and fool NPCs. So when we got to the climactic battle with the Vampire King, transformed into a huge bat creature... The sorceress decided to pull her original trick of turning into a big dragon creature to fight him. I ended up convincing her to grapple with the baddie while the party took advantage of the opening, which worked out fine narratively. Unfortunately, we did have to have that awkward conversation about how the rules actually worked in the middle of the fight. In retrospect, I think I should have talked to her between sessions and explained what was wrong and how she was trying to use her spells. Then I should have offered her a less powerful version of the polymorph spell that was balanced for her character level. By trying to circumvent that conversation entirely, I ended up allowing the issue to pop up in the middle of an exciting boss fight. I guess that's my GM confession. I remember you asking how it turned out, so there's uh, sorry, Canada, uh, all of the gory details. Uh, overall, the campaign went great and we got uh, to a good stopping point uh, that can be resumed at the next opportunity. Before this, that happens, though, the sorceress will have lesser polymorph mysteriously added to her spellbook. Douchely yours, Ben from Tejas. All right. Give us the opinion we're going to hate. Um, well, obviously, she's not a sorceress. She's a shapeshifter. <laughs> and you just give her a shapeshifter class because that's what the player wants okay, to play. Okay, but also shapeshifter is still... There's a size thing. Eh, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, y- once you're a certain size, that doesn't mean you're a certain strength. But as long as it's something that is interesting, that's what the character wants to do, and is like a hundred percent like willing to go down that thing, make a shapeshifter class. See, I, like, I like I liked his answer to giving them an artifact. I think that's what he said that, that let her use something similar to that. Um, 
we had something similar in a, another game I played where I was basically given a ring that more or less let me use the Phoenix Force effectively, for less lack of a better term. But every time I used it, I had more and more chance of not being able to come out of it. Well, and eventually burning myself out. So I like that idea of giving your players something like a big MacGuffin or a big, you know, a big weapon like that. That can be great, but have it come at a cost. Well, but that's the same thing of having a shapeshifter. Is she's a shapeshifter, not a sorceress. So now you're not getting spells or whatever. You just have these shapeshifter abilities because that's what the player is interested in doing and has done. But you're like I had a I had a character <coughs> in uh, Apocalypse World who wanted more of like magic abilities than what you had with a savvy head, which used like the tinker thing. It's like cool. Instead of like the savvy head has like their um, uh, their garage where they can like make fucking anything. And I'm like, cool, so instead of this garage where you can make anything, you have a ritual circle in which you can do anything, right? Or this ritual ability. So you tell me what you want to do, and we'll figure out what the ritual is that you do, and that'll be it. Well, she decided that she really wanted a specific type of ritual that she was doing. So it's like, oh, well, I'll do this so I can do this thing. And I just ran with it, even though that's not mechanically how it's supposed to go, that made sense for the character because she already been doing that. It did the kind of things that she wanted to do and what the what the entire group needed without being insanely ridiculously powerful. She would been like, well, I want the sun to explode. Like, what do I have to do? And that'd be a lot of stuff. But instead, it was much more... Inter- like, what she was coming up with narratively was really interesting, fit within the kind of ritual she wanted to do and tell of me telling her what she has to do. Right. So in this situation, why don't you but, just let them be a shapeshifter if that's what they want to be? The, the difference there is you have a character who's trying to use a level one spell to basically do what a level well, five spell can do, which is going to unbalance her compared to the rest of the party. You're not paying attention to what I'm saying, though. I'm not saying that she's using a spell anymore. She's becoming a shapeshifter, which means she gets one hit die abilities and things like that. You can still be a big dragon character. But you still have these abilities and stuff, and you don't get the other spells as a sorcerer. Which means, as you grow with everybody else, you'll have more and more powerful forms. What's the problem? Well, shapeshifter is a race, not a class. Well, you can call it something else, okay. like yeah. shape monkey. I don't okay. fucking give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm talking about is just like working when the players are showing you that kind of thing, right? And new players, especially, why not run with it? I guess, I mean, in 5e... Is, is I told you you weren't going to like it. No, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, in 5e specifically, because I, I'm, I'm a huge champion of 5e. I think they, they took a lot of the issues from 3.5 and 3.0. Oh, yeah, and there's and a shapeshifter the, in 3rd like, edition there's a, there's a, Oh, it was awful. But mm-hmm. the, they did a really good job of balancing everything, so it's mm-hmm. really hard for me to kind of take like look at that and then, like, let's just... Do that instead. Like the, they took a lot of time to balance everything really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, thematically and story wise, I totally get what you're saying. But if I'm playing like a bard in Five E, which mm-hmm. I have done, and they're fantastic versus three point five, I love Five E bards. Um, if there's another player, it's like I'm just going to turn into a dragon, more or less at will. That's an Issue as far as power balance, but it's but that's what you're you're already defining what a dragon is and what that dragon can do. I agree with I would I agree with you there. I agree. Like with you. they can be a drake, 
a lesser Drake, a right. monkey Drake, whatever fuck you want to call it. The new and it player, have the brand new player, probably doesn't know what kind of powers a dragon would have, so he can say, "Oh, instead of rolling a d6 for your damage, you can roll a d10." And a d10, right? <laughs> Holy fuckballs, that's great. It's only much <laughs> later when they realize, oh, wait, dragons do like nineteen something. Yeah, 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 but you weren't a dragon; you were a a shake Drake, right? A a lizard bard, right? <laughs> you know, and but you're still having that thing of a a character turning into something that looks like a snake dragon, grappling with a bat vampire, while the rest of the party shoots and lasers and stabs it into oblivion, is very cool. Yeah, and. You know, I'm a big fan of learning the mechanics of a system to such an extent that you can fuck with them however you want. And that's just kind of my brain and how it works. I haven't played 5e that much, so I'm not entirely sure exactly how the balance stuff goes, but it seems to me it should be relatively easy. And if it's like, well, all you need is an artifact in order to make it okay, well, give them another artifact. It's a magic ring of shapefuck. That only you can use. Right, but again, like the artifact should work, and if you're going to give them that much power, it's totally fine at that level, but have it cost them something. Well, you're still talking about that much power, because you have an idea already of how much power I'm talking about. And I don't think that we're talking about that same level of power. Of like, it, you turn into a dragon. Holy fuck, like an adult dread, red dragon. Oh my god, that could kill all of the party. Well, I'm not really saying that. But you're asking someone to be able to grapple with a, a vampire who turns into this... A giant bat. Right. Yeah. Why not? Oh, maybe... It's possible I my brain maybe needs to suck in the rules for 5e, because D&D is kind of my wheelhouse. So what you're, what you're telling me is that is that the character sheets are holding you down, man. It's possible, which is why <laughs> I'm getting more into PBTA and story narrative games, as we talked about earlier. Well, and, and it's not just like you know, narrative power and stuff that I'm talking about. I'm still talking about also, like, dice power. Like, we're talking about rolling a D10 instead of a D6. Right. You know, you're talking about you have the ability to grapple this bat vampire when before you wouldn't. Right. Like, you're getting entirely new powers here. And this player, it feels like they're kind of in on it. It also feels like this dragon isn't that big. Because a a large bat, or a, a vampire that turns into a bat that's the same size as a vampire would be swallowed up by right. a regular dragon. dragon. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, there there are lots of like specifics we're missing in this context. Right. But you know, uh, a player who starts who's really imaginative, and that's one of the things that us old people who have been playing games for a long time get very stuck in ruts. And that's why some of these new games we have this renaissance of games that are coming out, like Ten Candles mm-hmm. that we talked about. That is completely beyond the scope of anything I would think of for a role-playing game. You wouldn't even think of that being a role-playing game back right, right. five years ago. Or even uh, uh, Apocalypse World <clears throat> is very different than how we would have thought about role-playing games 20 years ago. Sure. Um, and so we have all these different new ideas coming out, and you have players who are coming into this world that I think, you know, it's... Yes, and can become like a problem when it's like, well, I want to use my telepathy to make that building fall. Well, no, you can't. You can't fucking do that. That's stupid. Um, but yeah, you want to use this level one spell? Well, it's actually not a level one spell for you anymore. It is now this ability you have, and we can talk about what you can do with it. That's what I would do. Um, 
but that's because I have lots of fuckery when it comes to uh, uh, balance and uh, actual mechanics. Now, I, someone on the on the forum or on the uh, <coughs> uh, chat room <laughs> just uh, asked about ten candles. So I, I want to give like a tomes at the pot at the boiling anything. Of course, yes, sir. Because <clears throat> because I mean. No, I put up a post that we were going to run it on Facebook, and someone went in and said, "Oh, this is my favorite part." Da, 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 da. Uh, I'm like, delete my post. Yeah, no, no wonder I didn't see it. Okay. Yeah, you did not see it. The light you cre- you create, and of course, the entire power grid of, over the entire planet is being horribly strained, and lights are going out everywhere, and and then it all happens very rapidly. <clears throat> Five days ago, they came. They are. These things that love the night, don't like light, and they're hunting you and trying to kill everyone. What are they? That's determined, can be determined during the course of the game, but it might, may or may not. The cool mechanic in the game is that you literally, you're, the way they want you to play it is you play it at night, or you play it in the dark, and you play it by the light of ten candles. Those ten candles represent the ten scenes of the game. When the game starts, the players have a dice pool of ten dice, one for each candle. As each candle is extinguished, and they're extinguished when the scene ends under specific circumstances, one of that one of those communal dice to the players goes to the GM. And then when there's a conflict, the players roll their dice, the GM rolls his die. The players have to get more sixes than the GM. Even a, a tie goes to the GM. Whoever wins that roll has narr- total narrative control over right. that scene. The players can succeed, but the... Narr- the- GM could decide how it, they succeed or what they could. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, but the, the the whole point is what you're really rolling for is narrative control, right? Yes. So I'm going to open the door and see if there's anything in there that we can use. I'm looking for flashlights or candles or something. That would be a conflict. Go ahead and make a roll. Okay, you got a six. You open the door. What did you find? And it's entirely up to you, right? right. You can you, you can find, you know, a thousand mag mag lights or whatever you want, or however you want to do it. But as the game goes on and those candles get extinguished, a die goes to the GM's pool, and so the GM's dice pool starts growing to the point where he's going to start winning, he or she is going to start winning narrative control more often than the players. And when the, the GM gets narrative control, things get bad, right? And the game, literally, the whole point of the game, and I think this is something that you should definitely let the players know up Oh, yeah, front, you need to let them know up front. Every character is going to die. It's the whole point of the game. Every character is going to die. Man, I got a dream team for this game <laughs> that I already have in mind. We're going to play it so bad. I'm, I'm running a session of it 7 p.m. N- not tomorrow, but next Saturday. So like, there's a space available. I'm in. Uh, let me talk to him. There's yeah, let we me have know. four players, but we might let be. Able to, we'll see. Um, but I'm very excited to run the game to see how it works, especially with people who haven't played it and haven't read the book because. It's there's a lot of surprises in that game. There's a lot of surprises just in the way you make characters and everything so, about it. Don't read the book unless you're going to run it. Is what I'm hearing. At least I would, for the first time. I would say yes. Yeah. Now it, you still might have a fantastic time, but I I have to think that going into it, not reading the book, that you are going to have because like a yeah. very visceral reaction. Because I that. read the book. I actually I bought the book after they talked about it at the podcast at the con. I bought the book, literally paused the podcast, bought the book, can you listen to the podcast? Um, 
and so I've read it, and yeah. I, I and love. It's, it's yeah. a quick read. It's a quick read. It's it's ninety pages. pages. Yeah. And I was actually on that podcast. Was so drunk I didn't remember it, <laughs> and then was told about it, and it's great the second time. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I mean, the only reason I read it is I'm planning to run it for my home group. But yeah, if yeah. you if you can, if you get a hold of the book and you're going to run it, don't let your players know anything else about it except the bare minimum that their characters yeah. are not going to make it. It is a narrative game. Just trust me on this mm-hmm. and go with me on this journey and it'll be great. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. And the second time when everybody knows that it's how it's going to go, especially maybe a different group because, or maybe you're playing and somebody else is running it and you know it's going to, I still think it'll be fun, but I think it'll be fun in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it could, I, I mean, I cannot wait to run this game. I think it would be awesome to 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 run it several times with different people and save. The, one of the things mm-hmm. you do in the beginning of the game is everyone records a message mm-hmm. about the place that you're at in case someone else shows up there and needs help or whatever. Is to hold on to those and use them as a prop. Mm. In a campaign based in an entirely different system yeah. at some other time, because oh, yeah. you could have all of this history. Then you have someone oh, actually find God. the tapes. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. If one of my players hadn't just gotten onto a plane to Australia tonight, I would probably be trying to run it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, Zazamon says it's not going to make it sounds like Call of Cthulhu. I'm not a fan of that idea. You know, it's literally a game, and it's very upfront about it. It's a game where you're, all the characters die. Mm-hmm. That's the premise of the game. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not survival it, it horror. You in the book, to tell your character, your players, this is going to happen. Yeah, this is a fact. This the, is this is the truth. It, 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 the point of it is not you can overcome this. You're not going to overcome mm-hmm. this. The point is what kind of story gets you to that that point. Mm-hmm. And if that's your cup of tea, that's your cup of tea. If it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup right. of tea. Right. If it's not your cup of tea, you're probably not going to reading Reading the it. rules are reminding a lot of kind of a fiasco-type game where it's about the story. It's not about the resolution. Yeah. It's not about winning. You can't win at the game. You're just... It's a fiasco! It's well, a fiasco! <laughs> it's, or you could describe it as a disempowerment fantasy. Yes. As opposed to an empowerment fantasy. Well, they, they call it right. in the book, it's called a, it's a it, tragic horror story. Right. A right. Sto- yeah. It's not a survival horror story, but it is a tragic horror story. There, there are some stories, like, one of the things I like to roleplay are ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is a story of extraordinary people in extraordinary circumstances being people. Yes, but not necessarily overcoming those circumstances, and that is, and I don't think that's a the lot. The game of mechanics are literally built so that you won't. Right. right, you won't. I think it would be great for new players to do this sort of thing. So when they get into a regular role playing situation, mm-hmm. they're not trying to win. Mm-hmm. Totally change. It's, it may. Yeah. It could. It might actually set someone. Actually, someone in here. Uh, heavy metal Jess says it sounds like a perfect. Uh, perfect for non-gamer friends. Yeah, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. But if if a a culture of I don't have to win and it's still fun can be fostered more, I think there there is that sort of feeling in a lot of people who role played a lot. But there are a lot of people, especially ones who might be new to it, who are used to playing role playing games on the computer. Well, you are going to. It is the most railery possible, and you are going to win. That's the point of the story, right? Um, or you can make a new character and then win, or, or right. whatever. You're right. gonna lose, get a game over, or, to, or to respawn, point, or right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, just having it open to the idea that failure can still be fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know. 
It's a totally different mindset than from your typical D and D game, mm-hmm. right? Which is, which is definitely here's you know a, here's a monster or here's some sort of challenge that you have to get past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You don't get past this, and again, it'd be a good mindset to put into players too. Because sometimes, as a GM, you kind of want to put in other systems. Like, I'm going to put this overpowering force in front of my players, and it's a story device. They're not mm-hmm. supposed to overcome it. They're supposed to run. Yeah. and it kind of instills that in these players, where mm-hmm. like, oh, you give me an enemy, I have to kill it. And sometimes oh. the GM has to tell the players, "You're not going to beat this. Run, run it's away." Run. But if you place them like this first, it kind of mm-hmm. puts that idea in their head of. Running is an option. Survival is uh-huh. an option. We had this one game. This is one of the first games I ever played when I was like 13. And it was a um, Ninjas and Super Spies slash Heroes Unlimited game. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this villain named Smokey Mirror who had uh, vibration powers and invulnerability. And in Heroes Unlimited, invulnerability is you are unli- un- invulnerable. There are things that can slow you down. Was he invulnerable or nigh invulnerable? I, I don't fucking remember. He was when it, it, the point was the is that we could, we we couldn't beat this guy. He also had like some super strength and some other bullshit. And my character was an ninja super spice character. Had like some dim, dim mock bullshit, and I had the potential to hurt him. And so he like the scariest fucking thing in this game is start start hearing mm, <laughs> because he'd vibrate through a goddamn wall, and then is it your vibrator? No. Oh <laughs> yeah. god. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> Quick, somebody have an orgasm now or else we're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) You, what? Have an orgasm. No! Um, So my character tried to, like, make space for the other characters to run. And I got his attention by hurting them, and then I just died horribly. (laughs) Just ripped apart, fucked up, guts everywhere. And it was great because all the other characters, all the other people playing, like, I knew my character was dying. And everybody else was like, run. And it was that very, the feeling of a, uh, like an agent in the first Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody beats Smokey Mirror. So get the fuck out. <laughs> um, and I think that was great. And I think as a young role player, having people cheer my character for dying, saving the party, I think was really important in how I see things now, where failure can be fun. Oh, sure. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it kind of stems, too, from the <clears throat> fact that you know your character isn't going to make it past the end of the game. When you're playing a campaign, you're playing a long thing, you, there's a bit, like, even experienced role players kind of want to, they want to see my character survive to the next session. Like, mm-hmm. But if you know, like, if for example, if you're playing a one-shot at a con, you're a little more fast and loose with your character, because, like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, right. if they die, okay. Yeah, you're more but, sociopathic. Right. But so you have, you're, you're much more loose with the character and you're not trying to pres- you know preserve them mm-hmm. so it gives you so many more options like you are willing to sacrifice this character because it doesn't matter everybody's going to die eventually this, is, this might be your time to die now and it might actually make a really really cool story moment mm-hmm. one of the best things about playing L5R oh yeah is you are willing to die right well I I, I still haven't had a player character commit seppuku. Really? No. Oh, no. I, I ran, man. I've run like Let me be in your game seconds. so I can <laughs> commit seppuku. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you had an NPC commit seppuku last session. Yes. Yeah, in the last game. Yeah. Well, that's easy to make NPCs commit seppuku. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, um, being upset at what your lord is doing in, in L5R can be a very consternating thing, especially if you have a character who is 
very, very strong Bushido or has high honor. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, fostering a group in which committing seppuku is a good thing um, is important. I mean, my my group played a lot of L5R. Mm-hmm. Played a lot. And so you really get used to dying. And I think that might have been part of our culture. Right. Um, it's hard to die in the new L5R, though. It's only been a combat yet, though. God damn it. No, we, we were reading it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to die. It's not, it's not it's, as it's easy. It's buffer as sticks. Especially, especially if you're wearing armor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, if you, if you don't get to critical damage, yeah, it all goes away. You're doing okay. You got, you got hit by a katana twice. It's fine. Walk it off. <laughs> what else, dude? <laughs> yeah. Toad's cool. Oh. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try rules as written, and if that works the way I think it's gonna work, then we're gonna go with your idea of multiplying damage by lethality. Is that the stat? Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, and then I'll get ludicrous. I did I did a, a couple uh, uh, experiments with it. There are ways like crab samurai still doing pretty a okay. I mean, they're still well, get fucked crab. up. I mean, but they'll they'll be pretty okay. Most everything else. Mm. Do not get hit by that katana. Well, yeah, it's yeah. gonna ruin your fucking day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a katana. It's, it's gonna a ruin fucking sword. Right? <laughs> I was act- I actually watched a documentary on uh, I think it was on Amazon Prime about how they how katanas are made. Oh, oh they're it's fucking folded, cool. like ridiculously. Amount Holy of- shit! Well, yeah. Look at how and, much time those those take. And also, they're folded straight or they're made straight, and then because they have the hard steel here and the soft steel here, they, they curve because... When they quench them, yeah. <laughs> it gets that curve to it. Uh-huh. And, and th- I, had not, I did not realize that they fold the steel over and over again, then they make a trough in it, and then they put softer steel in the middle of it that doesn't mm-hmm. have as much carbon in it. Yep. Less carbon makes it softer, right? Yes, less like carbon, much. yeah. And then, then they start shaping it into a sword. Mm-hmm. So, th- so uh, the edge is hard steel, but... Sur- but s- that the hardened steel is surrounded by a softer steel that w- has more give to it. Mm-hmm. So it isn't brittle. So the the blade isn't brittle. It's an yeah. b- I mean, amazing design, and the fact that someone through trial and right? error, <laughs> through fucking trial and error, and no concept of what metallurgy was, was able to fucking figure that out is amazing. Uh-huh. I, I like to think at some point, some you know, two smiths are working in the, san- in the same you know smithy. It's like, hey, you got your soft metal and my hard metal. Oh, you got my hard metal and your soft metal. <laughs> Um, well, see, that's the thing. I mean, all the all the people because a lot of cultures discovered how to make steel. Well, yeah, you know, the, but car, getting carbon mm-hmm. into it, mi- mixed somehow. into it somehow. They a lot of cultures figured it out. But then to say, oh well, we noticed they had these two different properties, and we figured out why somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and then we figured out exactly how to do it in this painstaking process that takes for fucking ever that right. you have to be really good at in order to do it in the first place. Oh yeah. Um, the same principle is used in making sushi knives. Really? Oh, yeah. I ha- like the Yanagi, which yeah. is like the, the long sushi knife. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how, I mean... A oh, yeah, they have those waves steel, in them. Yeah, yeah. And a good carbon steel uh, like sushi knife, you'd be sh- shocked at how sharp you can get them. Like, holy fucking shit. And you sharpen them every day. Like, right. before and after you do any sort of cutting of fish. Uh, I took, a, I took a, a, a sushi making class. It's like a one day class. Oh yeah, like three or four years ago. And I bought a sushi knife. The problem is I'm left handed. Oh yeah, uh, the one sided. Yeah, you're <laughs> fucked. 
I have to cut with the other hand, and it's so fucking sharp. Cutting with the other hand is a really dangerous thing to do because this hand has kind of a palsy to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, man. Well, it's it's nine thirty. Should we go ahead and end? Sure, I have to run three hours. I I I can talk for another hour. (laughs) I'm good at that. That's all. Let's run a two first game of ten candles. It'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh man, I'm really looking forward to running that. Right. Uh, It's gonna be super cool. It's awesome. It's a great, great read. Yes, I am left-handed. By the way, there's actually uh, you are sinister. I am sinister. Uh, Stork is left-handed. Who else is left-handed? There's another person that comes in once in a while who's left handed. I can't remember who it is. Like, I am no handed. <laughs> Both hands. <laughs> <laughs> they don't work. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Where's my song? Oh, actually, one thing I want to talk about real yeah. quick. It's an L5R. I wish they had, and we need to put it back into it, is the left handed advantage. In first edition L5R, if you were left-handed, it was harder for people who were right-handed to deal with your shit because nobody is in a left-handed stance. I think GURPS had that in their fencing rules as well. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, because it's yeah. You're you. Well, that makes most sense. people yeah. are, are used to fighting to fighting someone who's right-handed, and if someone comes, same thing with boxing. Boxers. Oh have, yeah. have the same. The, the south boss. Left left-handed pitchers. That's why they there's so yeah. many left-handed pitchers now because. At one point, when there weren't very many of them, so I'm like, God, the ball comes from the wrong direction. I know. Right. <laughs> so that was that was Scorpion Samurai had the left-handed advantage, or the, it was not that you had it. Wait, um, are you saying f- that Scorpion Samurai are sinister? Heyo! <laughs> but in their their school, um, they would train left-handed, and so they, they would get that advantage. Um. Oh, there's something else I wanted to bring up. I forgot what it was. It's okay. It's been that kind of podcast. Oh, (laughs) what's your your opinion on the Spider Clan? Fuck them. Fucking stupid. Bing, 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 motherfucker! Right there. That's right. Yep. Does anybody think the Spider Clan's a fucking good idea? No, no. It's fucking dumbass. I read that in because that's in like in the back of the fourth edition book. I'm like, it's fucking stupid. What the fuck is this shit? In fact, the way I like to run the Crab Clan when I'm running a game is that nobody has seen or heard of any fucking uh, like. Uh, zombies or shit since the day of thunder. Oh. And so you have the crab who are manning the fucking wall. You're like, we man the wall. We are here. And they're like, why? <laughs> so they're literally. There's, the, there's the... ratlings and ogres. Who the fuck cares? Right. And like, no, we are here because Fu Lang. Fu Lang got the fuck kicked out of him a thousand years ago. The Night's Watch. They're looking for the White Walkers That's... that don't don't exist. Right. And maybe, hey, maybe they, they do, do, maybe they don't they that, do. in that campaign. And right. you, know, you know what? Uh, zombies in 4th edition L5R are fucking frightening. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. They're really fucking frightening. Because with the, the, the masks, because they, they, they don't, their faces are covered. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. And they, uh, fighting them is really dangerous, not just because you can get killed, but because you can get, get the taint. Yeah, you can get the taint. That's right. the scariest thing. Yeah. That's like the the religion that I kind of created for the Crab Clan because I like the clans having different religions. Is just don't get tainted. That's the entire thing about is just fighting Fu Lang and don't get tainted. Right. That's kind of my rule. What about what about like salvation? Oh no, fuck that. There's no such thing as salvation. We don't worry about that. We just worry about not getting the taint. Right. <laughs> and that's even better when no one's seen anybody tainted for a thousand years. Uh huh. So right. it really is a belief. It's like what the fuck is the taint? And you're like, no, no, no. The taint is a thing. You can get it. 
How? By being around bad things. What bad things? That is more interesting. It is so much more interesting. It's more interesting because you have belief. It's it's the unopened door. It is the... Yeah, I'm with Mm -hmm. you. Yep. Yeah, I dig it. Because otherwise, if they're actually actively fighting Fulang, it's stupid for not for the other clans to not, not all throw be, yeah. all of their resources. Oh wait, here's oh, sure. this BBEG behind the wall. Maybe yeah. we should settle our differences and take care of that. Yeah, there's this massive oni coming out of the festering pit of Fulang, which we can see. Right. Yeah, sure. Let's it's get like, an army together. Like, nah, I'm gonna yeah. make fans. <laughs> it's like, yeah, nah, we're good. No. Yeah, in the in my in my game, I played it where the 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 taint was a thing. Um, the underworld stuff, no one had ever seen. Mm-hmm. But there was, I mean, I think it started with a because because I, I put these cursed swords in the game that were oh right mm-hmm. that were cursed by a uh, the when the, when the, the maker. Guy. No, well, the maker of the swords was horribly, horribly wronged, and his will mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. made the swords. Basically, got perverted, right? And the and the swords themselves were a source of taint. Mm-hmm. So when the party got one, they decided, oh, let's go bury it in the middle of this field. Oh, right! That's <laughs> awesome. That's a terrible idea, right? right? You just tainted everything around oh. it. Right now, it's oh, like this weird ass oh, oh, oh. cursed swamp thing. Right? See? Oh right. man, I love that kind of shit. My favorite, one of my favorite moments in that game is when I uh, what are the, are the ogres? Ogres are real yeah. big fuckers, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The party had just finished doing what they were doing. They had taken some damage from a previous fight, and then they were disposing of the sword. And then they start hearing the... And it's misty. Mm -hmm. So they know there's something coming, and they can kind of hear what direction it's coming from, and they know it's big. They never saw them. They just ran. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no... Fuck this! We're getting out of here. Get on the wagon. Sometimes Get on the wagon. Sometimes you have to run from the Balrog. <laughs> Too bad. Too bad we can't stay. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the one of the first times anyone has run in, in one of my games has run from a combat without having <laughs> even tell, when I to w- tell them like even this th- is beyond all of you. Get the fuck out. Nah, I've warned them and they still die. Oh no! Of course, we all we all try at least for a round and then we run. Right. But that was fun, having them actually run away from it. I was kind of interested to see how, how that fight would go. Uh-huh. There's only three of them. Mm-hmm. Been, it is 100% not dishonorable to run from a fight you cannot win. No. Right. Because it is up to you to preserve the resources of your lord. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're a resource. Yeah, yeah. You're not, you, 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 it, it is, is your not duty. Your, it it's your not your right to squander your lord's resources. Exactly. Right. <laughs> All right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for joining us for season 21, episode 8 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Taffy. I'm Joey. Uh, and we'll see you next Friday, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Don't know if we're going to have any games this weekend either. But next weekend, next Saturday, there's going to be a couple games on Saturday and Sunday. Of course, we'll have the uh, Vampire Dark Ages game. And then next week, Monday and Wednesday, games should be re- resuming as they normally do. So. And thank you very much, and we'll leave you the song. Bye.
of a man who was known in each county and vale. In a pub down in London called the White Horse's Tail, sat the one man in England who didn't drink ale. He's known in each tavern, both distant and near. That queer little fellow who doesn't like beer. His father disowned him out of grief and of shame. His wife, she divorced him and his son changed his name. No country will claim him and then we can blame For not drinking beer is his one claim to fame He's known in each tavern, both distant and near That sober ne'er-do-well who doesn't like beer One day we conspired to drive him quite mad So I pissed in his tankard where his water he had A big sup and said, this one's not bad. He's known in each tavern, both distant and near. That perplexing bastard who doesn't like beer. Through song and through story, his prominence rose. Till the queen sought a portrait of him in repose. He tried to impress her by wearing new clothes. And a picture of drinking while haunting in each tavern, both distant and near. That strange motherfucker who doesn't like lambics or lagers or bitters or box or pilsners or porters or meats we can clear for the stouts of all bisons or ales brown or pale. That strange motherfucker Seating program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.